Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 132, Developing Good Aviation Safety Habits, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome everybody, this is Carl Valeri and I'm joined with my favorite aviation geeks and safety experts this evening. And uh, this evening I have with me uh, Rick Felty. Rick, welcome. Hello. And uh, Larry Overstreet. Good evening from Milwaukee. And uh, Milwaukee, it was a little bit cooler up there. And uh, Russ Rosleski, welcome from uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, thanks. Safety experts, huh? Yes. Tonight we are safety experts and okay. safety habit experts is what we are this evening. Uh, is, and that's what we're going to call ourselves for this evening. The, Tom Frick, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good, good, good. And uh, Victoria, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hey. Uh, we uh, actually are so excited to have a couple of really cool topics here this evening. Really excited about your feedback about Stuck Mike Avcast. I've uh, been getting some really positive things back from you folks. Uh, was at an event this weekend, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, got some really interesting comments as far as uh, Stuck Mike, and, uh, and you're enjoying that. So thanks so much. Let's do the pre-flight. But first, quick uh, word from our sponsor. Our sponsor this evening is Aviation Careers Podcast, which offers scholarships, coaching, and career advice, and also, also of course, the free podcast. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. A uh, couple announcements. Our first announcement, let's see. It's actually a repeat, but just a reminder. I know, Victoria, There's uh, you have an announcement coming up. Just remind us what that is. Uh, Turbo the Flying Dog's third book, Turbo Flies Through History, will be available on Saturday, November 19th. And you can get it on his website or on Amazon.com. Cool. And how about a calendar? Is that right? You're going to have a calendar soon? Yep. There's a limited edition calendar coming out. Um, Stay tuned to the Facebook page and things like that for updates on when it'll be available. Um, Should be available within the next two weeks here. And it's only going to run a limited edition. We're not printing many. So if you want one, get in touch with me ASAP. Very cool. Can I get an autograph copy or a paw? A paw? To graft copy, sure thing. <laughs> awesome, appreciate that. The uh, so that's coming out on the nineteenth, and of course the Facebook page. But you can also go to turbothefyingdog.com, correct? You've got it. Awesome, awesome. And uh, let's see other announcements. The uh, Russ, you had an interesting visitor uh, this past month. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> I'm sure Dave will love to be referred to as interesting, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> so uh, I don't know how many of our listeners are aware, hopefully a lot, of the website liveatc.net, also an app and uh, and the website as well, um, where you can listen to air traffic control uh, uh, transmissions and uh, use it for training or, or whatever uh, to see if you really heard what they said, that kind of thing. Well, I was on a flight uh, maybe a month or so ago, and we had some interesting situations happen. And I went to liveatc.net to uh, listen to the audio of Oklahoma City Approach and found out it wasn't on there. 
<laughs> so I, I looked through and, and I live pretty close to the airport. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I could help out. And so I got in touch with Dave Pasco, uh, who runs liveatc.net and about, you know, what kind of equipment I needed, that kind of stuff. And, you know, antenna in the attic and whatever. And, and actually he, he was coming out here to visit for, uh, just this past weekend. So he ended up bringing me most of the equipment I needed. I just had to purchase a, a pretty basic antenna to put up and of course do the installation and I mean, he dropped a thing stuff off Friday. I put a little bit of time on on Saturday, and uh, Sunday was all up. So, uh, yeah, tower and approach for Oklahoma City was up, and it just took a matter of really just a matter of a few hours to get everything in place. So, if you do live reasonably close to an airport, and that airport is not served by LiveATC.net, definitely go to the uh, the website and see if uh, there's some way you could help out get that on the air. Well, that's totally cool that you do that. That's yeah. that's really really neat. Uh, and, and of course, the hand delivery from Dave was was pretty sweet too. <laughs> so, so. so, does that happen often? <laughs> hand delivery? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I'm one for one though, so that's pretty good. <laughs> that's great. Uh, so that's really cool. Love Dave Pasco. Love what he's doing with uh, LiveATC.net. It's a great really guy. really great person, and also a great tool uh, for for the industry and also for us uh, that are learning how to fly and trying to learn from flying. So that's a cool thing. Uh, so thanks for doing that. Dave, really appreciate it. And you can hear uh, Oklahoma City. And when you hear Oklahoma City, you think of Dave, and you also think, of course, of Russ. And thanks you again. You think of my attic, I guess. But yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, okay. well, hey, yeah, that'd be cool if we could see a picture of that and put it on a Facebook <laughs> my attic? page. Yeah, no, the, the setup, not so much the attic. <laughs> we don't want to know what's in your attic. <laughs> but, yeah, but yes, that would be kind of cool to put that on Facebook. So if we Yeah, get, maybe I'll do something. Yeah, okay. yeah, do something small. That'd be neat. That'd be neat. Awesome. Uh, anyway, moving on to our other announcements, we just have a couple more. First of all, uh, as you know, I've been very involved as a coach of the uh, Polk State Flight Team. Uh, that's a National Intercollegiate Flight Association team. And we had the Region 9 SafeCon uh, and it's a safety conference, basically, and it's uh, it's where we compete on both flight events and also ground events. And it was in uh, Embry-Riddle University in Daytona Beach. I tell you what, I've never been to Embry-Riddle. This is my first time ever on campus, and and their main campus. Wow, impressive! Who, who if you anybody here has ever been to Embry-Riddle, uh, you're going to sit there and say, "Oh my gosh, this is phenomenal." They have so many different facilities there. And they have, you know, amazing simulators. I actually felt like I was at work at some point, you know, because we went through these amazing uh, one. They had a level D sim and a level six sim. So it was it was really, really cool to see all that. Um, but regardless, the uh, the students did a great job. Uh, they took home the safety award for two years in a row. Uh, really, congratulations there. Uh, check out the, the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash PSC Flight Team. I'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, but it's actually, it's been, it's been an honor to be able to, to work with those, those students. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of financial difficulties this year. And, uh, you know, they, they actually were able to go to the competition without an airplane a flight competition without an airplane, and come away with a bunch of awards. That speaks volumes to them to have the courage to do that uh, when others are looking at them saying, you know, why are they here? Why are they f- not flying? And uh, they did the best with what they had, and that's that's something that I really appreciate. And then uh, they won with integrity. They did a, a wonderful job. So check out the Facebook page. Also, the other announcement, this is really cool because it's in my backyard, Peter O'Neill Airport in downtown Tampa. Uh, really neat. Uh, it's a seaplane basin, actually, and uh, 
guess who's coming to town or who's come to town is actually Icon Aircraft. They open a Tampa Flight Center. So uh, for those people that put deposits down, of course, you can go there and do some training. Uh, that's uh, that's an awesome looking and an awesome aircraft just in general. So uh, go to their Icon Aircraft. We'll have a link also to that. They've come to Tampa Bay. They have some really neat ideas as far as aviation and what they're putting forth as far as safety and also with the light sports. So we're excited to have them here in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay just uh, and Florida in general, just a great place to be flying. Now entering cruise flight. Let's move on uh, to the cruise flight. And uh, we have a couple, we have an interview first, and then we're going to have a, a discussion about a topic that Victoria brought up. But let's first go to uh, the discussion that uh, Russ Rosleski, he actually uh, was at uh, Oklahoma Aviation, uh, uh, like an open house. So tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll go to the interview, uh, Russ. So what, what's the, what are we going to hear real quickly, and where would, did this take place? Yeah, sure. The, I got an invite. Uh, I guess I'm on their emailing list. Uh, Oklahoma Aviation is a flight school and charter outfit uh, here in Oklahoma City at Wiley Post Airport. And they were having an open house. So, well, that seemed like a good enough reason for me to head on over. And uh, so I, was, I took my, uh, my microphones and I went over there and I was able to interview three of their, their uh, people and just kind of asked about what, a little bit about Oklahoma Aviation, what they do, uh, what kind of uh, programs they have, and, and why they were having this open house. So I, I think if I say any more, I'll just give away the whole interview. So <laughs> why don't we go ahead and uh, run that? Terrific. Let's do that. Let's, uh, Mr. Producer, let's go to the, uh, to the interview. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for Stuck Mike Avcast, and I am here at Wiley Post Airport in Oklahoma City where there's an open hangar, an open house event. I'm standing here next to Show Kasim from Oklahoma Aviation. And Show, why don't you tell me, why are we standing here today? Well, we're standing here today as part of a, a collaboration with Cessna Aircraft we call Team Cessna. Uh, we're a Cessna affiliate. We've been in business since uh, 2004, so 12 years. It's a great partnership. We. Uh, essentially have the training center and we also exclusively for the most part charter Cessna products. So that's the business. We've been in business primarily as a flight school. We opened doors in 04 and all through that, all through those years, the idea was to grow, to uh, diversify the, the base. Our clientele typically learned how to fly with us. We uh, took them through most of the ratings. Uh, There's always an aircraft purchase discussion at the end of the training, a management discussion pursued after the training, a revenue generation after that, and that essentially is what our business model is about. Well, I see we're a, here celebrate. Go ahead. I, was, I see a lot of neat airplanes here, uh, you know, some, some Cessna jets, uh, there's a caravan outside, a few, there's a Bonanza and a Baron, a King Air, all kinds of neat stuff. Uh, how did you, Indeed. how did you, where did Oklahoma Aviation come from? How did you get involved? Well, I started out as a primary flight instructor, sole instructor, uh, one Skyhawk. A lot of it was just a, the passion behind it, the people that uh, we, we uh, attracted were a lot of the driving force behind, of the, behind the business. Effectively, you know, we just showed up to work and loved what we do. We uh, helped people get to their goals, and one, one thing led to another, and uh, here we are. How many aircraft do you have in Oklahoma Aviation total? Uh, currently, we manage about 23 aircraft about 23 total. Aircraft. So it varies from a little uh, sport plane, which we have for rental, and it's the lowest cost training airplane, I believe, in this market. Uh, great starter platform. We've got Cessna 172s all the way up to 
uh, Citation Sovereign Plus. Sure. So you're not just a flight school anymore. You've branched Correct. out into, into charter work, right? Correct. Yeah, we, we're, we're a diversified aviation company, so I wouldn't necessarily you know, bracket us into the flight school uh, category. We try to service uh, every aspect of the, the service business in aviation. Other than maintenance, <laughs> other than maintenance, or and selling fuel, yes. So everything but uh, fuel sales and aircraft maintenance. But we've got a great maintenance partner, so I, I don't think there's going to be a maintenance discussion in the horizon anytime soon. So if I wanted to, if I had a need to charter a jet or something, I could call you guys up and you could set that up, huh? Indeed, yes. What? We fly uh, the the state's most modern, technologically advanced fleet of aircraft. What what? Um, any limitations on range or number of people? How many people can you carry? Uh, typical charters tend to be one to one to two people. Uh, at the most, we've flown eight, so anywhere from two wow. to six to eight. Okay. And on the complete other end, of course, we talked about the flight school aspect. So this is somewhere I could come to learn how to fly from the very beginning, right? Correct. Correct. We okay. are uh, the Metro's only uh, Part One Forty One, which is a a, a, a very high standard of certification and uh, VA accredited. Great. So All we've right. got a, a great, great pipeline, a great avenue, a fairly, uh, fairly competitive training program. Well, I would love to talk to some of your other people. I think uh, Brett Wyatt is around. He's your chief instructor, is that correct? correct? Yes, I'd is. love to talk with him if I can. Sure. And uh, we'll see what else we can do. But, uh, Sho, thank Perfect. you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your and, time. And uh, you bet. Thank you, you. You've trained with us too, right? I did, yeah, yeah. Actually, well, for, for my ATP, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Fantastic. Yeah, I was well, going to talk with Brett a little bit about that, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, you bet. Now I'm talking with Brett Wyatt, the chief flight instructor here at Oklahoma Aviation. How are you doing, Brett? Very good, Russ. How are you? Oh, great. Uh, so, you're the chief flight instructor here. you got quite a training program that Sho was just telling me about. A lot of airplanes are teaching. What's it like being a chief flight instructor at this school? Oh, it's very rewarding. I, I uh, enjoy the interactions with students and um, and uh, helping people achieve their dreams of uh, being, being licensed pilots. Absolutely. How'd you get involved here? I I retired from the Air Force in 2011 and came to work here just as a flight instructor in 2012. And um, 2013, the chief instructor job became available, and uh, I had the experience and, and the qualifications for it, so I was offered the job and uh, accepted it. I saw some good challenge uh, in the program to, to make a few improvements and to also expand the program. So in 2014, we finished expanding from uh, our 141 certificate from private instrument and commercial to adding the multi-engine commercial, the CFI ratings, and uh, ATP. So all the way from zero to ATP, you can take students from the beginning to way up there, right? Correct. Yeah, in fact, I trained for my ATP with you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was were, a couple, couple years ago, yeah. You were one of our first ATP Is that right? And I, I, didn't, think, I didn't know that at the time. I, went. <laughs> I think, Russ, I learned about as much about training ATPs from you as you learned from me. Well, that was fun. I remember we didn't actually get in the airplane I was going to take the check ride in until the night before the check ride. So yep. you ran me through the simulator you guys got here, the Redbird, and then we jumped in the airplane like Friday night, did a couple of flights, and then Saturday morning I had my check ride. I passed, did great, so apparently Absolutely. it worked. But I, I tell you, my heart was beating a little bit knowing I wasn't getting on the airplane until like 18 hours before my check ride. You know, and that's common <laughs> with all of our ATP applicants. Yeah. Since you, we've had about 10 more okay. over the last, what, year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. And, and uh, every one of them usually is a little apprehensive about the fact that we're just doing simulator training until uh, the, the day before the check ride. So literally the day before the check ride, we do 
two flights. We can do a third usually if the client really wants it. But uh, usually at that level, people are ready with two flights in the airplane to go out and execute the check ride. Yeah, it worked out just fine for me with no problems. Although, like I said, I was a little bit worried, but apparently it's working for everybody too. Yep. That's the way to go. So now you mentioned uh, you have some, you retired from the, from the military, from the Air Force, I believe, right? Yes. We have a lot of listeners who are coming up on retirement or, or looking to, to see about their career after the military. What did you do in the in the Air Force? Well, in the Air Force, I was a lot of things aviation, but I was not a pilot. Okay. Um, I was a, a B-52 maintainer, and then I was a flight engineer on the C-141 cargo jet. And then after that, I was uh, a, a back-ender in the AWACS as a radar controller. Um, and um, so I did my pilot licenses on the side. Obviously, I was a, wanted to be a pilot, but just the opportunity didn't come for me in the Air Force, but um, uh, so I did all my pilot ratings on the side, wherever we were stationed at local general aviation airports and so forth. So by the time I retired, I was um, a pretty experienced flight instructor and, uh, and went into this as my second career and it's worked out pretty well. Um, right now, the business is booming. It used to be, um, there was quite a bit of kind of discrimination, if you will, that you know if you were much past 35 or so, you were not ever gonna get into the airlines and that sort of thing. Now um, it's wide open. You know, I'm guys that are in their late 50s getting hired by regional airlines. So if anybody has the dream and wants to pursue it, now's the time. There's a huge pilot shortage in the airlines and uh, uh, charter company operators. Everybody's hiring. So sounds like it's a good time to get in it. And like you said, you went from from a 20 20 year. 20, 25 years. 25 year, year military career, where you were not a pilot, and then we're able to follow your aviation dreams on after your career, after a full career in the military. So that's fantastic. I assume you had some uh, GI Bill benefits and VA stuff as well, I right? I did. I did. Absolutely. I had some uh, GI Bill benefits I used along the way for flight training. And, you know, as you've already heard from show, that we're, we're VA approved here. And so uh, we've got always between two and four probably uh, GI Bill recipients in the pipeline doing training at one level or another. Well, it's a great opportunity for those who serve their country and earn those benefits. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, anything else you want to tell us about Oklahoma Aviation today? Uh, just come see us anytime you want or call or, or uh, check out our website. There's a great info button on there. You can uh, ask us any of your questions and we'll respond within a day or so. And and hopefully get you out and pursuing your flight dreams. I will add that you got if if someone has been here maybe a year ago or two years ago, you guys have moved like three times recently, haven't <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. So make sure you go in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. We're, our flight training operation now is located in Atlantic Aviation, 5901 Philip J. Rhodes Avenue, and um, we've got a couple offices in there. We're just expanding. We've got two offices right now that are pr primarily briefing rooms, and our simulator is also in a third office there. We've just, we're just uh, next month moving into two more office spaces upstairs, uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll have uh, an expanded presence at Atlantic, and we're flying off the Atlantic ramp. So. All right. Well, Brett, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's been great. Absolutely. All Thanks, right. Russ. Hey, good luck. You. All right. And now I'm talking with Chase Magnuson, the charter pilot and the assistant chief flight instructor for Oklahoma Aviation. Oklahoma Aviation. How you doing, Chase? I'm doing great. How great. About you? I am fantastic. This is a neat event. You got a lot of neat airplanes. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. So you started out in aviation from you know pretty young age, right? Yeah, I, I started out you know, basically ever since I was little. You know, I remember looking out the window as I was sitting in my car seat and seeing airplanes flying over, and I just always thought that that'd be really cool. And then eventually I saw Top Gun, and from there, you know, oh, man, I was, of course, yeah. I was sold. So uh, I had planned on going the military route, and you know, just kind of other opportunities came up and uh, I actually became a mechanic first at uh, Tulsa Community College 
That's in my Great. airframe. So I did that concurrent enrollment during high school because I was wow. I was still too young to fly. So I wanted to, so I figured knowing how to work on them could only make me a better pilot. And so I went through that program. And then I, after I finished that, it took me about a year after high school, I um, started my flight training through Tulsa Community College as well and did that. Then I went to OU and did everything else, you know, uh, all the way through my CFI. And then I got hired on in Oklahoma Aviation shortly after I graduated and uh, been instructing here for over three, you know, three years, doing about a thousand hours plus a year. Just wow, flying, it's pretty busy. Flying <laughs> yeah. a ton and a lot of nice airplanes and, you know, getting to learn how to use all the latest and greatest, you know, technology uh, that's available. And, and then now I've kind of transitioned into the, into the jet side of things. And uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, just getting to fly, you know, $11 million airplane around all over the country and to the Bahamas and stuff like that. So it's kind of, it's pretty awesome that I get paid to do, you know, all the stuff that I'm getting to do now. That is really pretty cool. I mean, going going from zero time and working your way up yeah. and here you are. And I mean, this this meets every definition of this shiny jet, right? Yeah. What yeah. are we looking at here, this one? Uh, this in a, front of. It's a 2015 Citation XLS Plus and uh, it's a blast to fly. It does about, you know, it's got about a 2100 nautical mile range, 440 knots. Uh, true. So we can get to either coast in about three hours, and we can take uh, nine passengers. Wow. When's so, the last time you flew it? Uh, last week. Last yeah. week? Yeah. When's the next time you're flying? Uh, I'm flying it on Thursday. On Thursday? Well, yeah, today's Wednesday. Be, well, so. actually, next, next <laughs> okay. Thursday. Next Thursday. We're going to well, Florida for four days, and we're Great. going to, then we'll be back for two, and then we're going to the Bahamas for five days. So, so yeah. I mean, is this where you saw yourself, you know? 10 years ago or something? Well, there's just so many like opportunities. I wasn't really sure what was gonna happen, but I just kinda, you know, uh, I like flight instructing, and so I, I stuck with that. And you know, a lot of guys are going to the airlines, and I just didn't like, you know, what the airlines are paying at the regionals. And I've got a lot of buddies that went there and weren't real excited about it. Um, and now pay is actually starting to come up there, so, you know, airlines aren't looking too bad. But, but um, uh, you know, going through Oklahoma Aviation, Cho's plan from the beginning was to eventually move his instructors up into the charter side of the company, which was just really growing when I started here. But now, when I started here, we only had one. We had one jet on charter. Now we've got five. Wow. Um, and so it's growing pretty quickly. And and uh, anyway, I was just fortunate to get hired to fly the Citation XLS Plus. And, it's been a blast. Do you fly any of, any of the other uh, jets yeah, here? I fly in the CJ4 and the M2. Um, this is the XLS Plus is my primary plane, but the other ones, like if they if somebody's sick or or they need somebody, I'll I'll hop in if I'm available. Um, but it, all that stuff takes a backseat to, to this plane. Is this one your favorite, the XLS? Yeah, that's my favorite yeah. favorite one. That uh, it's the one I'm I'm assigned to, and it's it's a blast. Um, and they'll probably have this plane for another four or five years and then maybe, you know, upgrade to like a Citation Latitude. But uh, for now, this is what we're flying. It, it does everything, you know, it meets all of our mission needs um, as far as the places they like to fly into because they go to Grand Lake, which has got a really short runway. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. we needed something that can, can, you know, carry the most amount of people. It can get into the smallest, you know, the smallest runways and this one will do it uh, really well. And... Uh, um, they had originally ordered a latitude, which will do it. Do it. Uh, everything is basically a souped-up version of the XLS Plus, 
but when the oil prices you know tanked they kind of backed off the latitude in order to xls plus so well, that's a, it's a great story. I mean, I know a lot of people who'd love to be in your situation. You know, yeah. A lot of those uh, aspiring pilots, uh, student pilots and such, and, and CFIs working. So yeah. I mean, I'm happy for you, and I hope it works out well. Yeah, thank you. you. Bet. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. I mean, military, airlines, you know, there's a lot there really of corporate is. stuff. You know, the corporate stuff, you just have to know, you know, it's about who you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, if you're a pilot right, in aviation right now, you've got it made. Uh, I mean, there, there's jobs everywhere, so now's a good time to be in it, or if you're not in it, you know, just start thinking about getting into it. Yeah, it definitely is an exciting time. I know here in, in Oklahoma City, things are things are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they're crazy definitely. busy. Well, Chase, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and uh, best wishes for the future. All right, thank you. I'd like to thank Show, Brent, and Chase for talking to me today, and if you need more information about Oklahoma Aviation, you can go to their website at www.okav.co. This is Russ Rosleski reporting for the Stuck Mike Gaffcast. Well, gosh, Russ, it sounds like you had a great time uh, interviewing, and I had a wonderful time listening uh, to those interviews with the folks out there in Oklahoma. I was really inspired uh, that they're moving forward, first of all, in their careers, obviously, but also the fact that they, uh, they're they really focused on, on general aviation and promoting uh, general aviation there at uh, Wiley Post airport in oklahoma city of course uh yeah well you 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 heard uh you heard uh chase when i was talking to him he he mentioned how you know he he the whole idea of starting off as an instructor they're working as instructor and gradually moving into the uh you know jet charter pilot uh ranks that they've got there which i mean that that sounds like a fantastic opportunity to me (laughs) but uh but yeah they've got a very interesting program and they're obviously trying to uh I guess grow their own their own talent, which is which is nice in the aviation industry. You know, we see a lot of real uh, real cutthroat activity, and uh, you know, not a lot of loyalty necessarily. So it's nice to see that, definitely. Right, right. And uh, Wiley Post Airport, it's uh, kind of a neat little history there. I know you've been there for a little while, and uh, it's uh, if you get a chance, go check out their website. They have some uh, really neat background as to the to Wiley Post and also the naming of the airport. Uh, in the background there a lot of a lot of aviating happens in Oklahoma City doesn't it oh yeah sure it does of course you know we've got quite a few airports but also you know had aircraft factories here uh, you know real close by out in the past so uh, not not so much anymore but there's a lot of aviation going around Oklahoma and one of the comments I made with uh, during those interviews was it, it, things are really busy things are really hopping in aviation out here and, and it's kind of surprising uh, but I mean as a part-time instructor I I'm busier than I want to be. I turn people away, and I know that's true for a lot of the other instructors around. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting place to be, definitely. Yeah, it sounds like you're really being hit by that uh, the quote-unquote pilot shortage or the shortage of instructors especially right now. Uh, so that, that's good for you. It's good. It keeps you busy. I'm sure your wife appreciates yeah, that. Yeah, yeah but definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so I want to thank uh, Show and Brett and Chase for uh, their time during that interview, and it was, it was a lot of fun talking to them. Awesome, awesome. We'll get a link to the website uh, – uh, out there so that we can uh, show people what they do and, and let them review that themselves. So terrific. Moving on uh, to our next topic, I know that this was one topic that was brought up and I think it was a great idea. I'm going to let the person that thought of this idea to discuss this because this, this could go on for many hours, uh, the, this whole discussion, and, and is the topic of actually courses in in schools and in uh, many different meetings and departments within uh, organizations that are involved with aviation. But, uh, Victoria, you had an interesting idea uh, for a discussion to this, uh, this evening. So, you know, bring us into that. Yeah, no problem. I just thought it would be great to talk about 
habits in aviation, good habits, whether related to safety or keeping current. Um, it takes 21 days, they say, to develop a good habit. So not all of us can get out in an airplane 21 days in a row, but maybe 21 times over that or before that we can, you know, achieve some good safety habits. Um, other habits kind of come out of learning the hard way, something embarrassing or um, scary. Um, I could give you a good example. Back in high school, I um, l- rushed really quick out the door and onto the bus, and I wore two different shoes <laughs> to school. And I went through three classes until someone pointed it out. To this day, I check my shoes before I leave the house to make sure they match. Um, an aviation-related example um, to that would be uh, once I was trying to start the plane over and over. It wouldn't start, and it turns out I rushed my checklist and I didn't check the fuel. Um, I thought it was set to um, both. And in fact, the knob had been switched to off, but it looked like it had been set to both. So that's another thing now. I actually put my hand down there and I touch it to make sure the fuel is set to both. So that's another example of something that could have been dangerous if somehow it got started and I was in the air and um, the engine quit. So um, I just thought I'd see what habits everyone here has developed that maybe I should be developing too. Well, that's a, that's a great topic. Gosh, Victoria, thanks thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear too from our instructors, I guess, first, if you, if you don't mind, uh, just discussing you know what they try to do. I know I try as hard as I can, uh, especially with the you know, the flight team, obviously, we, we took home the, the trophy for safety two years in a row, and we tried to instill those habits. But you, you said something really interesting. It takes 21 days, and I think uh, to develop a, a, a good habit, you know, how long does it take to develop a bad habit? Well, you can develop exactly. that fa- fairly quickly, too. But um, I, I wonder, you know, as far as, you know, Russ and, and Tom, I'd like you two to discuss what you're doing right now uh, in your instructional environment uh, to develop good, safe habits. I'll, Tom, I'll, I'll let you go first on that one. Yep. So um, I, uh, it, 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 it's all phases of it, actually. You know, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this today a, a little bit of, of um, you know, what are, what are some of the good safety practices that I do? And, and a lot of it is just it's the little things that, that I try to instill in my students. Um, good practices, checking weather. You know, I can see students when they go outside and they kind of look up in the sky and go, oh, it looks okay. And, and want to go with that instead of really going thoroughly through and finding out what's really going on, um, especially if they're going somewhere, you know, and then that goes into to flight planning, you know, being and doing flight planning, um, uh, a full flight plan and concise every time that you go and fly. So you're in that habit, you're doing it over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter if you're just, you know, hopping over, you know, 20 miles or you're going 250 miles or further, you know, I'm um, just, but going through and doing that over and over again. And one of the other things that I notice a lot too is, is, um, complacency in a pre-flight. And, and I can't tell you how much that I, I go back out and, and walk around students and, and redo a pre-flight again and start pointing things out. And like, did you look at this? Oh yeah. Well, no. And, and it's because they, you know, they start getting further in their training and, and their, um, 
um, getting complacent with it. You know, they they know the list. They've they've gone around the plane so many times, and it's 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 a loop that they do around the plane. And now they're doing it as just a matter of fact, as opposed to really touching things and looking at it. So I, I try to instill that in them to to make sure that that gets done. Well, that's that's interesting. That's a great idea. It seems like uh, they have sometimes, and you've experienced. Sounds like some of that drift, some of that drift away from from SOP, from standard operating procedures, and and also I, I think that drift happens a lot of times through through complacency, like you mentioned. That's a that's a great a great thing to bring up. So uh, hopefully, we're trying to do something to recognize that. But I, that's interesting how you instill that, uh, uh, Russ. Uh, I, I was wondering how is that that you try to instill safe habits within your students? Well, Tom uh, basically said, I think everything that, that I would have said for the most part, um, yeah, I, trying to encourage them, like he mentioned the example of uh, doing a pre-flight and not getting complacent, trying to get people to do things the same way every time, you know, especially you know with the pre-flight or the, or the engine run up or this kind of stuff. If you do it the same way every time, you follow the checklist, you build that as a habit, like Victoria said, you do it, 21 times or whatever, right? So it becomes a habit, and then then that's just normal for you, and that's how you do it. Uh, what often happens, and I know every instructor, I'm sure, has seen this, is you, you train someone up to their private pilot or instrument or whatever, it doesn't matter, and then they come back to you a few years later for you know for that flight review, and it's like everything that you knew they had been doing is kind of out the window because it's been a couple of years, and they... They've just they've gotten complacent, like Tom said. So, um, what I will encourage, and you don't see people come through with it too often, unfortunately. But I'll encourage is not waiting two years <laughs> to to see an instructor again. You know, maybe six months or, or a year or something like that, uh, just to kind of brush up on some of those things and refresh your memory. Oh yeah, I, that's right. I used to do things in this order, but I I, I stopped doing that for I don't know what reason. Uh, I have a great example of this. One of my clients. Uh, he he has not for the last year been flying very much at all. I mean, every several months he's gone flying and he, he owns he owns his own airplane. And I've flown with him several times. Well, he needed to get instrument current again. So we went out and we did that over a few flights. And at the end of that, he said, you know, Russ, what I was doing before, you know, flying very, very seldom, I was building up a lot of bad habits. And he didn't use the word complacent, but that's basically what he meant. And he said, I don't want that to happen. So what I'm going to do with you, if it's okay. And he went ahead and set up recurring appointments with me every two months for about the next year and a half. I, I mean, I've got things scheduled in 2018 with him. So, so that, that's pretty good. But that showed that he's committed to, to, you know, preventing any bad habits from forming and just, you know, it, it, it's a little additional cost, of course, but uh, but man, I mean, every two months, I wish I, I wish all my students would do that. It'd be fantastic. But uh, even if it's not that, every six months, you know, even a year, but every two years is pretty seldom. You build up a lot of bad habits in that time. Oh, sure, sure. You know, I, I'm wondering if 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 in helping. I know Victoria talked about you know the you know, forgetting to do something in your checklist. But I wonder, something that I've done, and, and I think this is kind of a good idea, and uh, I know it's a different environment, but I try to tell people that don't fly a lot to imagine themselves flying tomorrow, say, in, and you're flying, though, your cockpit is your car that you're driving to work or whatever you're taking to work, if it's a boat, etc., and and go through a checklist and a safety checklist 
to make yourself safe and the environment safer. And I think that it's it's kind of a, it's important. We're talking about habits here now, and how do we instill those safety habits? We do it in many different ways in our lives. Uh, I know that a lot of times, uh, gosh, sometimes I I can't stand hanging around some of my airline pilot friends because they're always looking at different things and saying, oh, you know, that's not a very safe environment. But it, but the example of driving in your car, um, I have a, a good friend who decided to drift a little bit from from those that safety culture that safety habit and decide not to put their seatbelt on because they were just backing up a few feet and were going to move their car to the end of the parking lot in the mall and as they were backing up was uh, rear-ended by another car and uh, was injured and was out of work for a good eight months because of that injury uh, so if if we were sitting there if that person was sitting there saying to themselves gosh you know what do I need to do to make make this this quote-unquote flight? being that drive down to the other side of the parking lot much safer, what could I do? And a lot of times we do that, don't we? Uh, it's like when you're in your car and you're almost home and you take your seatbelt off. Well, why are you doing that? Well, we do that in the airplane. A lot of times we're like, well, we, we've done it so many times, we haven't had a problem, and we drift from that. So so we're going to talk a little bit about that, like the, the safety culture. But I'm wondering, if has anybody ever used any other you know tools? I know... Um, uh, Larry, you were just, uh, I think you're the most recent to have flown. Is there any other tools that you possibly use for safety that's both inside and outside of the aviation world or somehow ties in? Sure. Um, well, I think everybody's probably familiar with the, you know, like the I'm safe uh, acronym, um, illness, medication, stress, alcohol, fatigue, and eating your food, you know. Um, and there are there are others there uh, that are out there. Um I'll tell you a quick story. A number of years ago, when I was first learning tailwheel, um, I was up with an instructor and had a lot of stress going on from work and just, you know, stuff happening and things like that. My mind wasn't really in it. So we got up in the air and, you know, came around and tried to do that first landing and kind of botched it. And, um, and I'm trying to learn tailwheel anyway. So there's a certain amount of, you know, it's new and I'm taking a little time to get used to it anyway. Um, but then uh, after about the second landing, it dawned on me that I, you know, I hadn't done any kind of I'm safe because I was stressed to begin with and I just skipped over it, um, which is kind of dumb, but it happens. Uh, and so after we took off, of, you know, the second botched landing, I just talked to the instructor and told her, I said, listen, I'm stressed. You can probably see it. It's nothing to do with you or flying or airplanes or anything. It's, you know, outside stuff going on. Um, but why don't we just call this a day, you know, and let me come back another time. And she's like, I was wondering what was going on with you. <laughs> you shouldn't be botching landings like that. And, um, you know, so it is a really good reminder to, you know, stick into your personal checklist some of these other checklists or these other, you know, memory devices or whatever. Because uh, I should have caught that on the ground before I ever took off, you know, and I just didn't. And I'm, you know, glad that I had an instructor and everything was fine. But um, uh, it would have been far better to catch that ahead of time and just say, you know, call her up and say, hey, I'm not I'm not up to it today, you know. Um uh, so that's that's one you know story that that uh, happened to me. Interesting, you know, as as you were saying that one of the things I remember is going flying and having you know my dad was sick and in the hospital. I shouldn't have been up flying, and sure enough, I made a mistake while I was flying, and that I would never ever make otherwise. It's like, what did I just do that for, and how and how did that happen? And and again, I didn't. The, the I am safe. If I had just taken that checklist and been honest with myself. 
and uh, and say instead of saying to myself, "Oh, I can handle this," uh, no, I couldn't. I was totally distracted. Uh, I knew I was going to be in the air, and uh, I I should have just grounded myself and uh, waited till after the surgery and let someone else go fly. You know, that's that's the most important lesson I I think that we can learn from there. Uh, but yeah. you know, it, it it's that's it's true. I mean, we don't sometimes bring in our emotions, do we, Larry? Sometimes we no we think, and and. You you mentioned a great word there um, because sometimes it's not stress in the traditional sense that you think of it, you know. Um, but the word that you used there, Carl, uh, was distracted, and you know whether it's you know stress that's distracting you or just anything else that's going on, you know, if your if your head's not in the game, um, it's it's a really good day to you know find a a nice airport restaurant on the ground and stay there for a while. Yes, yes, it is. You know, Larry, and I, I know uh, in your airport, you fly to a lot of different places, and, and, and everybody else here does, but one of the things that I'd like to discuss is that the habits a lot of times are reinforced, right, by people in our lives, and, and that's in general. And one of this, this ways that we can enforce these habits is through this, this culture that we can develop and, and a, a much greater safety culture. Uh, I'm wondering what, uh, and I'd like to hear from from the different co-hosts here. What do you do, uh, and and what ideas do you have as far as developing a safety culture? And I, I'll start off just to, as an example as to what we do and what I try to do to develop that safety culture. Number one is is try to get people to meet and to discuss safety and discuss things that they can do to make their operation even safer. And uh, one way we do that is through the uh, FA, the WINGS program, the safety program. I think uh, one of the things I like to do when I'm doing a safety meeting is tell people, okay, this is a topic we're, we're going to discuss, but why don't we hang out and, and let's also discuss some of the things that we could do better that maybe we didn't discuss in the in this formalized environment, and how do you think we can move forward? How could we make this even better? Um, you know, and that's tough to do, to to have that environment, to have that culture developed within an environment of general aviation sometimes because we don't have that formalized system where you do have that formalized system within, say, a professional environment, a flight school, uh, you know, a corporate environment, an airline, that type of thing. So. By doing just that one thing, by having the, the FAA safety meetings there, that's great. Also, uh, you know, having get-togethers, I think, is really important to discuss safety. Uh, I'd like, I'm curious, you know, what, what do you folks do, and, and, uh, like Larry or, or Russ or Tom, what is it that you have instilled within your culture, within your uh, environment, uh, as far as, as actually trying to promote that culture of safety? Tom, I'll let you go first. Sure. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I was thinking of along these lines was um, personal minimums, you know, and I have very specific questions that I ask myself and that I, you know, teach my students to ask themselves this question as well. And and basically, um, it, or it's a statement, you know, the statement I make is that I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank, the visibility is less than blank, the winds are greater than blank, and the freezing level is lower than blank. And I, I left them blank because my personal minimums changed depending on how much flying I'm doing and how, how proficient I am. Um, they're different now than they were when I was first learning. And, and they've, they've come down a little bit. They go back up again. It really, really depends on just how comfortable I am with myself. 
But those four things, those statements I make every time that I go fly, you know, I remind myself that I'm not going to go fly if the clouds are lower than a certain place. The visibility is less. The wind is less than something or greater than something. And uh, the freezing level is lower than something. So those personal minimums became a really poor uh, important part of my safety program for myself and what I teach to my students. So you, you share that, how you, you do that every time with your students? Is that what you do? Indeed. Okay, gotcha. That's a, that's a great idea, um, and I think that's really important. Because, you know, the people that we look up to at the airport are our flight instructors, and, and I'm watching you and seeing what you're doing, and I, I think that's really important to instill that safety culture. So that's, you know, a, a thumbs up to you. That's, that's terrific. Uh, awesome. But... Uh, so uh, I think, Larry, you also had something you want to add to that whole safety culture. Yeah, you, you uh, mentioned getting together with other people, um, and I think that's a great thing that you can do, and you can do it a little bit more formally or you can do a little bit you know, more informally. Um, but uh, having a topic to talk about, so you're not just getting together and um, you know, just chit-chatting about the latest flights we've had or whatever, uh, I find that uh, EAA's IMC Club uh, is a great place to do that because there's a little bit of structure to it. Um, the way we have our club in Madison, Wisconsin is, is I think, really uh, helpful in that we go through a scenario and um, uh, understand what's going on in the scenario, and then you just talk about what you would do, and everybody comes to the table, you know, used to flying different kinds of aircraft, uh, they come with different experiences. They come with different amounts of experience. And the ability to hear those different perspectives and get your head in the game about, yeah, what would I do if I started noticing, you know, I'm picking up in a little bit of ice. Would I climb or would I descend if I had the choice and why, you know? And just talking those things out um, is really helpful. And, and if you're not in a place where there is an IMC Clubs chapter, you know, I'm 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 uh, optimistic that you could find some other group that would be, you know, either similar or start one or whatever. Um, the uh, AOPA Air Safety Foundation has a lot of great material uh, that would be fodder for good conversations with, you know, like I say, just it takes just a tiny bit of structure. We have, you know, like a five minute scenario that goes and then the conversation just runs for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and so putting yourself in those positions where you're hanging around other people who are thinking about safety and thinking about, you know, the right way to do things uh, consistently, safely, uh, appropriately, efficiently, um, it, it, it just helps a lot. Interesting, interesting. Vic, do you, you had an, an idea as far as the safety culture. Mine uh, just kind of flows with what Larry was saying. Um, I have two friends that fly almost every morning, sunrise flights, super early, and Occasionally, I get invited to join them at least once a week, and I've gotten in the habit of saying yes every single time because you always end up learning something when flying with someone else, especially when it's in a new airplane. And um, I also got in the habit of asking a question. So I always learn something through the question that I ask in each flight. And in each flight, I try to, you know, take a lesson from it, whether it's a life lesson or an aviation lesson. So my, my thing is when I, when I go flying, I jump at the opportunity when I can, and I always make sure I get something out of it versus just a cool selfie or have a lot of fun that I learn something. And it's actually become a fun challenge to find something that I could share, that I could blog about and um, teach others. So um, I, I challenge you to kind of do it, too. What can I learn from flying today? Even if it's the same flight you do every morning at sunrise, you can learn something new. 
Yeah, just to kind of piggyback on what uh, everybody else was saying, we uh, I'm a member of a local flying club here in Oklahoma City, and yeah, at our at our monthly meetings, we try to have some kind of pertinent safety discussion to kind of keep that all uh, you know kind of in the forefront of everybody's mind. I mean, just last at our last meeting, there had been a member who had experienced some. Uh, he had declared an emergency he, you know, while he was flying, and it was in IMC. So we kind of kind of talk through that, hash that out. You know, everybody kind of provided some input and it was just really good to see lots of different, uh, thoughts and opinions and, you know, perspectives on what, you know, what he could have done differently, anything he could have done. I mean, he, he, everything worked out fine. So he did great, but, uh, just, just a bunch of different viewpoints and, and keep getting people to think about that stuff, whether it's through like Larry was talking about the IMC club or, or any other means is that that's what we're looking for. Uh, for us, it works through our, through our club meetings. So through those meetings, I think that's awesome that you do that. And I think it's all, all these clubs that are out there should do that. They should have like a, a safety brief or a safety day, that type of thing. Uh, but what's interesting is, and Russ and uh, and Tom like to comment on this, you, you're looked up to as flight instructors, as as really the person who's the ambassador for safety. And you also are, are usually held to a much higher standard. And, I, and, and I'll give you an example of where I fell short of that standard uh, just recently. I'm at uh, this, this intercollegiate flight association at the SafeCon, and I did something, and I, I didn't realize I did it, and I, it wasn't quite the safest thing to do at the time. And I said to myself, you know, that's, that's not good. But also, what did I just do? I'm impacted the other six students that were watching me do that. And and I didn't even realize I did this. And I said to myself, oh, my gosh, this isn't good. So so one of the important things to do, and I, I'd love to hear your comments, is as a flight instructor or as a leader, quote-unquote, in aviation, when you do make those mistakes, I think part of that safety culture is to actually own up to those mistakes and be a little bit transparent and say to them, hey, listen, you know, I, I know what you're going through. I've made the same mistakes. And by the way, that what I just did was not the right thing to do. Please don't use that as a good example because that was a bad example. That's a good, bad example is what it was. So I'm, I'm wondering what, what your feelings are. I mean, do you, do you feel this burden, you know, Tom or, 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 or Russ? Um, do you feel that burden on yourselves as an instructor to, to be able to promote that safety culture? Well, I'd say, uh, I, I don't know if burden is quite the right word, although I get your meaning that, uh, setting the example and such. And yeah, I, I feel that definitely as um, certainly as, um, you know, in formal settings of, you know, with a student or whatever, of course that's obvious, but, uh, you know, there's, there's one of our local airports where I know a lot of the pilots there and they know me and they know I'm an instructor and they see what I do. So yeah, trying to keep uh, things above board is, is very important. What do you do if you mess up? You know, I, I'm kind of curious. Well, I just don't mess up. No, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've never made a mistake in my life. <laughs> ne- never, never, ever. Just my life, right? So, uh, hypothetically, well, if you ever did, up to it because it, you know it's you. I think you grant you gain credibility by by owning up to uh, by owning up to your own errors. You know more than I think you gain more than you would if you hadn't made the error in, in some ways. So. Because uh, you know nobody's perfect, and you know everybody has to realize that that, and then uh, but we move on, and so that I think that's very important. 
Mm-hmm. And that, and I, I agree. I think that's a big part of that that safety culture is saying, hey, listen, you know, I this is what I've done. This is how I messed up. And yeah, I have all this experience, and you look up to me as an instructor, but I I'm not perfect. So so make sure you call me out if I'm doing something. And and and, street. and here's what I plan to do to avoid whatever mistake I made in the future, right? right. So maybe it was because I didn't follow my checklist. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, use my checklist or, or whatever the, the example might be. Right, right. Uh, you know, this is this was the threat, this is the error, and we're going to manage that error and, and move forward with that. That's that's terrific. Um, but uh, so, and, and now the other instructor that we have here, Tom, how about you? I mean, what, what, uh, what, what do you feel as far as my comments on that quote-unquote burden? Oh, sure. And, and I agree wholeheartedly um, between what you and Russ were just talking about and the same thing. I mean, um, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect either. And, and I've made mistakes and, and have to own up to them. And, and I think uh, Russ is absolutely correct. The only way to keep any kind of credibility is is to show that you're human and that you can. Um, it, you know, I am fallible and, uh, you know, I have to work on that. And then I can talk about that. And uh, I give my students the opportunity all the time because um, as an instructor, you know, part of my job is to uh, critique what they do and how they do it and why they do it and why I want to see improvement in certain things. And um, I try to at the end of every one of my lessons after I get done, um, you know, discussing what what went well and what went not so well during their lesson i give them the opportunity to critique me as well because i want to hear what they see and what they what what they saw you know and and if they have any questions like hey i saw you do this what what is that and oh yeah well that probably wasn't the right thing to do and and yeah let's let's talk about that and and thank you for pointing that out so uh that's that's another avenue there as well that um that i use so really, our discussion on on the safety culture isn't isn't esoteric. It might be a little bit nuanced, and and we we may find that just uh, you know we can throw out all the terms you just talked about. I am safe and the pave checklist before, and we can send those send those off to with our students. Say here, read this. This is how you become safe. Read the chapter two of the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge and the aim, uh, fitness for flight. But but in reality, it's more than that. It, it's what we're talking about here uh, is this this culture of safety. Anybody can actually have these tools, but how do we implement those tools? And then how do we motivate people to use those tools? I think uh, a big part is uh, is actually leading by an example in general. And, 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 you know, it's not just the instructors. I kind of focused on that a little bit too much. Uh, I think also we have to realize that, that, you know, Larry, you know, you know, Rick and Victoria, and, you know, we, you don't instruct at all, but it's really important that, that you are lead by example too, while you're at the airport. I think that's, that's quite important for all of us as aviators, because I, I think we all should try to strive to be professional in our attitude towards aviation and uh, and to promote this thing that we love so much and we want to make it move forward and the one way that we can make it move forward is to make it a safer operating environment through our actions our own actions i think that's quite important well gosh you know this is this has been a, a great discussion i want to make sure that we've gotten all the 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 input here on this on our safety culture i know we're running out of time just a little bit here but uh does anybody else have anything they want to quickly add before we move into our picks of the week I haven't talked much. I'll just jump in as sort of the the, the greenest pilot um, here. That for me, I, I always felt um, it, it it's important. It was important for me to be ar- around other people with more experience and um, ask questions. You know, connect with people that that I knew 
if they didn't have an answer, they would have a reason to help me reason out, you know, a good answer for it. And it's, it's sort of easy to get isolated depending on how you approach uh, general aviation and what your role is uh, and how often you can go. And, um, and I guess it's important to stay connected to a group or, or individuals, you know, different individuals, uh, at your local airport who, who have experience and who you can use as a sounding board for things too. Cause I learned a lot of extra things, not just from CFIs, but from asking some questions about situational things that had happened or, or that I was wondering about. And, uh, those conversations were invaluable. So, um, you know, a lot of it for me, in addition to everything we've said is also about, uh, staying connected with people, um, and not, you know, not getting isolated and, 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 and sort of on your own thinking you have the answers or that you have to get them yourself. Yeah. And a great way is through doing things like this, listening to podcasts. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is because we, this is a real great way to connect. And I, I think that's very important. Like you said, um, you know, I, I've learned so much from listening to podcasts. You know, I listen to a lot of other aviation podcasts and, uh, it really, truly does help you connect. And what's neat is that you can actually discuss those topics when you get to the airport, and that, that's awesome. So that's a great point, Rick. I think that that was really, really good. And uh, but uh, hey, gosh, you know what? We're this. We could go on for hours about this, but I think it's important to stress that uh, this this truly is important to to promote the safety culture within your flying and also within your airport and the larger community of aviation. Uh, and and really, what do you do to, to develop safer habits? And have you been sliding away from those habits? Uh, have you drifted away from ha- those good habits? Think about this. Think about doing something uh, to make your habits better and to make your environment safer and to make yourself safer. I think that's really, really important, the point we want to stress here. Well, gosh, uh, this comes to the end, so we have to move on to our picks of the week. And this is uh, one of those points that I'd love to to talk about, all the different cool things that are happening in aviation. I'm trying as hard as I can to put more videos out uh, on, the, on the page uh, on stuckmikeavcast.com, so make sure you go out there and check those out. I know a lot of you folks have asked for more videos. That's something else we've been looking at promoting is the possibility of doing a, a few more short videos in the future. Uh, you've liked some of the reviews we've done in the past, and uh, it's been been a while since we've done those. And uh, so we're, we're looking at taking this to, to another level and doing that. But uh, but let's look at some of the picks of the week here first. And I, I kind of want, now that I said that, maybe I'll go first. Uh, this is something that I think is, is really cool. I talked about Icon Aircraft. Uh, coming to Tampa Bay and opening a Tampa Flight Center. Uh, but they actually, I think they do a great job uh, with the videos. And, and I'd love Rick to look at those someday because, you know, he's he's in that profession. And uh, I just think they are just awesome. And I get mm-hmm. excited when I see those. I mean, it's, and emotionally, I get involved in those. Mm. So I feel like I'm there and, and, <laughs> and wish I was flying in the airplane with them. <laughs> Have, have you been able to get a chance to look at those, Rick? If no, you haven't, I have no. not. oh gosh, you got to see them, man! They're, okay. they're at their iconaircraft.com. It's on their videos page, and I'll put a link yep. in the pics of the week. So, so definitely go check that out. Yeah, I, I think I probably checked it out early. You know, when they were early in you know in their in the development, and I uh, haven't seen anything more recent. So I bet it's amazing. Yeah, their their stuff is so cool. It inspires me every time I see something new in aviation, especially like that. Something that that gives me that feeling of flying, that actual feeling that I'm in an airplane. Just love that. Like the Rick Felty videos. I was watching actually a bunch of yours recently. I probably should have made that as my pick of the week. I was actually going to say as, as part of the stuff that I did safety-wise, several of the things, one in particular I can think of, came because I made the videos and other pilots I knew 
said, hey, you know, you're not, it was like I, I had not been trained in the plane I was in to do a gumps check specifically. And uh, we did other things. There were the checklists and memory devices, but I wasn't doing that. But I got sort of hammered by a few guys. And so there's a point at which you can see if you watch them in some kind of, you know, chronological order where I start doing them, even though there's no un undercarriage. I've said undercarriage. I, I think I did. Anyway, but that came from those videos, from having made videos, put them out there and then heard back from people. So awesome. <laughs> once that, once I got feedback, I never, I never, I did it every time. Yeah, I guess I guess that, that that's a, a pretty extreme way of sharing with everybody. <laughs> we don't suggest everybody to do that, but uh, yeah. that, that takes a lot of work. But that those are that's awesome. I didn't nail that. Gosh, now I'm gonna have to go back and look. Uh, I'm yeah, you'll see. There's a yeah. point where. Too cool, too cool. Yeah, it's uh, undercarriage. Yeah, there's an undercarriage. I'm not yeah. doing anything with it, doing, but it's yeah. under there. <laughs> that's cool. Our picks of the week. Well, Rick, while we while you're talking, what what is your pick of the week? Well, I have a, uh, 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 an app that's been out there a while, but I hadn't, I hadn't discovered it until recently. It's, a, it's kind of a simple little, I was going to say silly little thing, but it's a simple little thing um, that is available for iOS and for Android. And I don't know if any of you guys have played around with it, but it's called Cloud Topper. Anybody oh, heard of that? Oh, yeah. No. It's a, it's a, it's a um, uh, site level using your camera and your phone's level for determining the height above or below you of the clouds you're heading toward. Um, and it, it's very simple because basically you have to put in a bunch of information that then lets you tilt the phone to gauge roughly where, where those clouds are likely to be, how many feet. And, and a lot of it depends on you accurately guessing or knowing from other data how far away they are from you. So, so some of the stuff is, it's not magical. You have to put in some information, but, um, but it's kind of cool. I've never used it in practice, but it looks, it looks like a pretty cute little thing. It's called uh, cloud topper. Cloud topper. It's available for both uh, for both uh, platforms. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's a it's the electronic version of the old cloud topper that was in Sporties. I guess they had in the catalog. That's pretty neat. So we'll have a link there to that. Go. Neat yeah. stuff. Neat, neat, neat. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. Um, excellent. Move on to uh, let's see, Russ. Russ, what is your pick of the week? Well, I have. I, I guess I'm going to call it a conditional pick of the week. Is that is that okay? Can we do that? Sure. I don't know. Maybe a okay. probational pick of the week. I'm a little scared. It's just some. It, it's an app, but I want to see how it develops. Okay. Um, actually, one of our one of our listeners, Jeff Brown from Oklahoma City. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> uh, sent this to me. Uh, actually, just like an hour ago. So <laughs> it was very timely of him. And it's uh, it's made by Honeywell, and it's called Flight Preview. And it's been out just a few months. Uh, I know it's on uh, iOS. I'm not sure about Android or not. Maybe uh, maybe one of you guys could check it while I'm talking. But uh, the basic idea is it presents a 3D view of an instrument approach, kind of as you're you know you're going around the turns and coming down final, and you know it has some terrain in there, and uh, and it's supposed to, I, I envision it as useful possibly as a training aid uh, or something like that. Or maybe if you're unfamiliar with an approach into some challenging terrain, it'll kind of sh show you how it's going to look, you know, as you're coming through the approach. Uh, the reason I say it, it's it's conditional is it, the graphics are a little bit jumpy. Um, you know, it, it's definitely not perfect, but I, I imagine they'll they'll try to refine that a little bit in, in uh, upcoming releases. Uh, it is a a uh, paid subscription model. It's not very expensive, but uh, they do have either, you can go either a monthly charge or an annual charge. 
the free uh, trial that they that they offer only offers one airport, so you get to look at one airport for free and kind of play with it and see if it, what you like. I kind of wish they'd go to more of a 30-day thing like most of the other apps do, but it looks interesting. I'm going to evaluate it some more, see if I can use it uh, in training or something like that, and uh, and, and we'll see. But so that's uh, Honeywell's Flight Preview is the yeah, name of it. looks like it's only iOS that I can find. Is it only but, iOS? Okay. Well, that they they you, know, you you go to the site and the only you know link there is the download in the App Store logo. So, I think it is. But anyway, okay, okay, cool. Yeah. But it, it's an interesting thing, and like I said, you can download it and, and look at the the one airport they have in there is in Hawaii, and it's you know so it's it's kind of interesting to see what cool. they're what they're doing with it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that is neat. That's pretty cool. As, yeah, they got some videos. You can you can check some stuff out. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, neat, neat. You know, as an aside there, Russ, you know, the uh, those videos and, and flying that approach at the airline, we actually have that for certain airports where we can actually preview the different approaches using video uh, in a oh, similar yeah. manner, right. which is really, really cool. Uh, so this this looks like you'll, it'll be developed to preview just about any approach, I'm hoping. Uh, so that'd be really, really cool to, to plug that in. So, uh, awesome. Well, it's got all of them in there for their sample airports, all the uh, RNAVs and ILSs and that kind of thing. So, right. I thought I saw Reno or something. There. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Russ. I, th- I, I, wouldn't, I, I hope they develop and it keeps moving forward because that looks like a really, really cool app. Uh, let's yeah. see. Moving on here. Uh, Victoria, what is your pick of the week? Mine's not directly aviation-related, but I think every pilot in the winter will want one of these. Um, I have a Milwaukee Tools heated jacket, and it runs off a uh, battery that can just go on, you know, the cordless drill. Um, Tuck that into the pocket, and you have three settings and two different areas. You have the whole jacket that can be heated um, medium, low, and high. And then you have just the pockets that you can heat at low, medium, and high. And um, the battery, at least the one I have, even has um, a place where you can plug a USB into it and charge your phone. So not only are you charging your phone, you also have this battery-operated jacket. And the battery lasts about eight hours. And um, it's perfect for those cold winter flights. Oh, that's yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder if uh, we could use that for uh, pre-flight and also during flight. I like the air conditioned version. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. Awesome. Uh, let's see, Larry. What is your pick of the week? Hey, yeah. Um, so this is one uh, that I uh, just came across again this this last week or so. Um, but there's a book that many of you are already familiar with called Flight of Passage. Uh, it's a memoir from Rinker Buck telling the story of his, you know his and his brother's uh, flight from I think it was New Jersey to uh, California in a Piper Cub in 1965 and all the adventures they had along the way. Um, if you haven't read the book or listened to the audio book, definitely pick it up. Uh, it's a great aviation story, uh, really fun, really inspiring. Um, but my actual pick of the week is the Flight of Passage movie. Um, and uh, it's, it's a movie that's been, you know, screenplay written. It's partway through the process. I don't know that much about movies, so I don't know that much about the process. Um, but uh, they even have a couple cameos in there with uh, Shondi Tucker and Rinkerbuck himself. And if you've read the book or listened to the audio book and then see some of these little clips that are in the, you know, kind of in the teaser, um, 
you can tell it's just going to be one of those stories that really has to be told. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's a Facebook page, which is just uh, facebook.com slash flight of passage uh, and a Twitter account, which is uh, uh, just at FOP movie um, flight of passage movie. Um, there hasn't been a lot of activity on it. So partly what I'm hoping here is that by mentioning this, we'll get a few more people to look at the videos and uh, rattle their cage a little bit and see what's going on with it. Because I think we'll all enjoy it when it finally comes out. Wow. That's, uh, that's too cool. I actually haven't, uh, finished that book a flight of passage and, uh, that actually takes place in, uh, right down the street where I grew up. Uh, came out of uh, Basking Ridge, New Jersey. New Jersey, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's actually the airport that uh, I I used to hang out when I was a little kid, and I talk about a lot where they, they actually turned it into condos. And uh, the, the gentleman, Rinker, uh, he actually was a, a patient of my of my dad's many, many years ago. Uh, very, very kind cool. of a small, Yeah, that bucolic Basking Ridge and that flight out of there. But <laughs> I can't wait to see that movie. That's, uh, that's going to be too You early. need to pick up the audiobook, Carl. It's a whole lot quicker than reading. Yes, that is true. And I spend a lot of time listening to audiobooks, driving to work. That's a good idea, Larry. Appreciate that. All right. All right. Um, okay, next one up is uh, Tom. What is your pick of the week? Yeah, I thought I'd pick something a little bit on the lighter side, and I was uh, I was looking around for something because uh, I couldn't remember the quote, and it, and it turns out I stumbled across this page looking for this, and it's um, um, the top of the page it says great aviation quotes, and it turns out there's a bunch of them on there. Um, some of them are on the on the lighter side, some of them are a little bit more serious. Um, this is a family show, so some are a little risque, but um, it, it it's actually pretty cool. And I started just reading through these things, and and um, you know. Just kind of reminds me of uh, all sorts of different aspects of flying, um, and 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 I thought it was pretty cool. So I'll, I'll provide that link. It's on a uh, site called um, SkyGod.com. Um, quotes, cliches, and and we'll have a link to that. Cool, awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, so that is the last of the pick of the weeks what we have here. And uh, Sky Gods, you said Sky Gods, we'll have that in the links. By the way, uh, all the links uh, that we talk about here are in the show notes. They're also in past picks of the week. So don't forget to go out to stuckmikeavcast.com and check out the past picks of the week. Well, folks, that, that actually uh, completes our show. I really appreciate everybody coming here and Victoria for her actually uh, bringing this topic to us this evening about aviation habits and and how to develop good aviation habits uh what are you doing you know what is it that you are doing to develop your aviation habits what are you doing to develop an aviation safety culture and if it's nothing i challenge you to go out and try to do something that that will help other people move towards a safety culture in your area in your aviation environment in your flying in your life And uh, that's what I want you to do. Just think about that. What can you do today, tomorrow to move forward with that and to try to make this safety culture a much better safety culture? We can always do better. We can always operate safer. And uh, that's our challenge to you. Well, folks, fly safe. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.